Hey, Spotify, real quick, before we get started, please make sure to follow us right here on Spotify. You might have to click my name, Bob Enyart, to see the follow button. Greetings to the brightest audience in the country. Welcome to Bob and Yurt Live. I'm the pastor of Denver Bible Church, Greg Kokel, highly respected Christian defender of the faith, biblical apologist, speaker, author, and sadly, moral relativist. Now, we will air audio from Greg this past week when he affirmed, though he did make qualifications— He affirmed homosexual couples as parents. Some, he said, are fabulous same-sex couples. We'll hear that. For me, it's even hard to say those words, homosexual so-called couples. It's hard to say that, couples. And then we'll air a clip. First, we'll get a couple very brief excerpts from Greg Kokel from last week. Then we'll air a clip of audio from 12 years ago when Greg appeared as a guest on a Christian radio network back east on Truth Talk Live with Stu Epperson to defend Christians supporting pro-abortion candidates, specifically pro-abortion Republican presidential candidates. So I was asked at the time by Stu Epperson, His father is one of the two founders of the Salem Radio Network. So Stu grew up in the conservative radio industry, and he asked me to join him and Greg on the air to make the biblical argument against supporting leaders who are child killers. It's really something. Yesterday at Denver Bible Church, We're studying through the Bible verse by verse. We're up to Jeremiah chapter 19, and this is exactly what God is so angry about in that very chapter. That was yesterday at Denver Bible Church. So Stu wants me to argue against, take the other side, that Christians should never support leaders who are child killers, who openly are pro-aborts, advocating the continued decriminalization of unborn children. So when a mutual listener suggested this weekend that I listen to Greg's broadcast from just five days ago, I was so devastated that I reached out to him and he and his assistant replied. And later, or perhaps on tomorrow's program, I will read Greg's reply in total But to sum it up, he again denied, like he did in 2007, he denied again being a moral relativist. So first, from just last week, Greg Kokel, two very short clips, and again, he offered some qualifications, but not in any way that negates these two clips, speaking to a caller who asked about homosexuals adopting children. 
Some same-sex couples are fabulous. Okay, now that's a really short clip. And after that, Greg did go on to make a qualification, but again, not to negate what he just said, and it's not true that some same-sex couples are fabulous. That's actually false. But let's hear the second brief clip. This is why it's hard to make to, to make a judgment. Are children in foster care better off with same-sex couples or with better off staying in foster care? Um, and so that, that, that it, it's, it depends on the individual circumstance. I would rather see a child in a reasonably healthy environment with a same-sex couple than in an abusive environment with a heterosexual couple. Okay. It's not possible for a child to be with a homosexual couple and not be an abused child. That's not possible. But we'll get to that later to show that once the moral relativism bug hits, it's tenacious. It sticks with you. It's like getting herpes. It'll stick with you for the rest of your life. So let's let's hear this now with Stu Epperson, Greg Kokel from 2007. Hello, Greg uh, Kokel. This is Bob Enyart. Hey, Bob. I don't think we've ever met before, have we? We haven't. I listened to your show for a year in Denver and grew to love you years ago. Well, thank you, Bob. But, uh, we do strongly disagree right now. Okay. Well, let's let's see how much we do disagree on Stu's comment a few moments ago was as he qualified it. That was probably an overstatement, but it, uh, my, my position is qualified, and we'll have a chance to qualify it together as we talk. We're going to have a good time talking. You, you two, both you guys are, uh, I'm way outclassed in the IQ department here, but I'm, I get to kind of st- stand and, and watch and listen with all the great listeners of Truth Talk Live who can also call in at 866-34-TRUTH. But hold your powder. Let's get, let these guys get going a little bit first. So, Stu, a good way to lay this out is to ask Greg, what if Rudy Giuliani is the Republican nominee? Should Christians support someone like Rudy Giuliani? Okay. Okay, uh, Greg, you yeah, are you okay? Answer. Are you okay with that to start the ground rules? Yeah, that's okay. fine. Sure, okay. I don't mind answer, answering okay, that. Uh, stipulating that you have two candidates that are in the running, a Republican and a Democrat. The Republican is Rudy Giuliani. I presume in this scenario, it's most likely that the de- Democrat is going to be uh, either Mrs. Clinton or someone worse with regards to our concerns. Um, then the the outcome is going to be one of those two people. The fact of the matter is, if you have a third-party candidate, it's going to split the ticket, and the other party is going to go. So given those are my two choices, um, it is always the morally sound thing to do to choose the lesser of the two evils, if you want to put it in, those t- in that way, or possibly the greater of two goods, rather than do nothing and let, let the greater evil or the lesser good prevail. Stop so the tape. The Stop the tape. Ep- We're going to continue with this just for another few seconds. But first, realize that there's no bottom to that abyss. You don't support evil so that good might come of it. It's in the Bible in the book of Romans. Do not support evil. Do not do evil that good may come of it. So if you supported a leader back in the time of Jeremiah who was sacrificing children on the altar to Molech, killing children, then you would be sinning and you would share in the guilt of the murder of children. Now, if you support a leader and you don't know and you had no way to find out that they actually supported killing children, that's a different thing. But if there is a politician 
or any leader, pastor of a church, who advocates that it should not be criminal to kill children and you support that leader, then you are sharing in the guilt. There's no bottom to that abyss. And, of course, you have an obligation when you support someone to do your due diligence and make sure that in the the age of killing children, I mean, at the very least, that they don't support killing innocent children. There's no bottom to that abyss. If Hillary, who Greg Kokel was concerned with back then, today it'll be Joe Biden, if Hillary in that election or just four years later ran against someone who we determined was even more evil than Hillary was, then by Greg Kokel's utilitarianism, which is not biblical morality, it's secular utilitarianism, then you'd support Hillary. How could you not? If you were a German voting in the 1930s, and in your district, the two parties that got the majority vote, the pluralities, were the National Socialists, the Nazis, and the Marxists, then what would you do? You'd say, well, I need to vote for the Nazis or the Marxists. And if you could calculate the evil, well, the Marxists ended up killing about 20 million of their own people, not in combat, but just civilians. And the Germans ended up killing about 6 million, not in combat, but just civilians. So you'd think, well, the Marxists obviously are more evil, so I'm going to support Hitler. You see, there is no bottom to that abyss, and God doesn't ask us to draw incalculable conclusions as to which evil may be the greater evil. So let's get the end of this clip. Prevail, And so that's the kind of ethical thinking that informs my uh, that informs okay. my position on this issue. And thank okay, Bobby you. Yard, please respond. Yeah, Greg, thank you for being so clear. What that is is called situational ethics, moral relativism. Christians should not support mass murderers. I know that today in the age of national right to life and J. Seculo, Christians are confused. But we have a standard that comes from God. And part of that tells us that Christians should not support mass murderers. We have the entire theme of most of the Old Testament from Exodus through the prophets, Joshua and Judges, where God's people would not trust him. They wouldn't obey him. And out of fear, they sided, they made alliances with the godless, with murderers and adulterers, and God left them to their own destruction. He abandoned them. What is way worse than getting Hillary as president is for Christian leaders to make alliances with mass murderers. Okay, Greg Coco. Now, what about Bob? He, he's he's sticking by this this principle. Uh, what? How do you respond to Bob and, and those in the camp that would say, "Hey, even Dobson's alluded to maybe splitting the party yeah. when it comes to this"? How would well, you respond? Well, let me let me respond first to the analysis. Situational ethics is actually an objectivist system by jo- an absolutist system advanced by Joseph Fletcher. So that's a misapplication of the concept of situational ethics. It's also not moral relativism. I wrote a book on moral relativism, and I know what that is. I'm very clear on it. I have a master's degree in philosophy. This is not moral relativism. Stop the tape. Stop the tape. In his reply sent to me a day ago, Greg Kokel basically said the same thing. And like countless Christian moral relativists, Greg denies being a moral relativist. 
Countless racists deny being racist. Someone teaching a good class against racism and affirming an accurate definition of racism can still be a racist. The determination is not your own assessment of yourself, although God does want us to ask him to search our hearts to see if there's any wicked way in us. There's a difference between a self-described racist and a typical racist, just as there's a difference between a self-described moral relativist, which Greg is thinking about, versus other moral relativists and those who deny being such. You can live your life in moral relativism without affirming moral relativism. It's rather common in my life, and judging from the Lord's warnings in everyone's life, it's called hypocrisy. A true determination comes from an objective assessment of your thoughts, beliefs, and actions against an objective standard. To be a moral relativist, Greg's defense is defective. You don't have to affirm the definition of moral relativism to be a moral relativist. And having written a book on racism or moral relativism or sin for that matter, and being a recognized expert on the topic doesn't mean that you're not a racist or a relativist or a sinner. Just think about the Pope. Rather, if your moral judgments change over time, and there is no question that Christian acceptance of homosexuality, even affirmation of homosexual couples, and even for them adopting children, there's no question that this has changed dramatically over the last 30 years. Do you think more than a quarter century ago, Greg was describing some homosexual couples as fabulous? If somebody had said back then that for homosexuals to adopt a child is equivalent to child abuse, do you think Greg Kokel would have disagreed with that back then? So if your moral judgments, regardless of your opinion on a technical definition of moral relativism, if your moral judgments change relative to God's standard, then you are guilty of moral relativism. And it's simple to see that among conservative Republican Christians who lust after defeating the Democrats, that they hide behind, they use as defense mechanisms, situational ethics, secular utilitarianism, moral relativism. These are defense mechanisms to support their immoral beliefs actions, and the things they advocate for. Hey, by the way, we just received a $150 donation from Atlantic Beach, Florida. Thank you, Linda. That is so very appreciated. So Greg mentioned having a degree in philosophy. Let me take a moment before we air with comments more of his audio from last week. Let me compare his career to mine here at Bob and Yurt Live. Now, Greg Kokel is a Christian apologist. We've been on the radio here in Denver for about 30 years, and Greg 
in California for almost that long. He debated atheist Michael Shermer, as we have, at kgov.com slash Shermer. In fact, if you're a regular listener, you'll remember when Michael Shermer infamously said, in order to disagree with Genesis, I asked him if the Bible was right when it said the sun is a light, and he said, the sun is not a light. Oh, brother. And he would not even agree that Moses, when Moses commanded us to not worship the sun, moon, and stars, Michael Shermer, this famed atheist, would not agree that on at least this one point that the Bible was correct when much of the ancient world was worshiping the sun, moon, and stars, the heavenly bodies. But back to Greg. He has had more influence than we have as the founder and president of Stand to Reason. He's spoken on 70 college campuses, and I spoke where? Only at Pepperdine and Malibu? That's in our Trading Genesis video. Well, yeah, I spoke on a lot of other campuses also, but I'm talking about with an invitation. We've had some really great times without an invitation on college campuses. But Greg is the author of The Story of Reality, and I'm the author of a self-published, though highly successful, book, The Plot, an Overview of the Bible. Pretty interesting. The Story of Reality. A story is a plot. The Story of Reality versus my book, The Plot, an Overview of the Bible. He's been widely interviewed, he points out in his bio, including by the BBC, as I have, and we list many of our scores of interviews at kgov.com slash interviews, including appearances on ABC's Politically Correct with Bill Maher, Jimmy Kimmel, made a Newsweek cover in 2015 on Court TV, True TV, on and on. Greg Kokel earned a master's in a philosophy degree from Talbot, and I dropped out of ASU, Arizona State University, when I was hired full-time with McDonnell Douglas Helicopter Company to do software engineering for their Apache AH-64 attack helicopter. I ended up briefing a Pentagon procurement general. It was really a great time there. And after a few years in high tech, I went full-time in Christian ministry, first with Operation Rescue, saving unborn children, then beginning with Bob and Yurt Live, and as of 2000, the pastor of Denver Bible Church. So our careers, very different, but with significant similarities. Now let's go to Greg's audio from last week, answering a caller. My question sort of involves um, children in foster care and same-sex parents. When it comes to one or the other, what is your stance on the one that is better or worse and reasons for why that is? Well, th this is a hard one to answer because um, both categories, foster care and same-sex couples, are variables. Stop the tape. Some... Stop the tape. It's only a hard one to answer if you're going to try to make a quantitative analysis of the lesser of two evils. Do you know how difficult that would be? I mean, any sin, any individual sin 
can have unfathomable eternal consequences. And so it's very simple to answer when you realize that homosexuality is one of the greatest evils and God saves some of his most severe condemnations for homosexuals. Then it's easy to answer when you realize that a homosexual adopting a child is inherently child abuse, then it's easy to answer. But if you obfuscate and you try to weigh this evil against that evil, you will find that there's no bottom to that abyss, and that approach can get Christians, and it has, to defend almost unfathomable wickedness. Some foster care is fabulous. Some foster care is deplorable. Some same-sex couples are fabulous. Some same-sex couples are deplorable. And uh, actually, stop the, the tape. Same stop the tape. So, Greg responded. He he objected that I called out that quote when I emailed them. I even mentioned in the first sentence. It's only two sentences I sent them. And I mentioned that Greg made these statements with qualifications, but he still objected that we excerpted that quote. Here's what I wrote. Greg, we're saddened to hear your 10-minute affirmation with qualifications, admittedly with qualifications, of same-sex parenting. Some same-sex couples are fabulous. That was in quotes. That's his words that we just heard. We have updated our own website at kgov.com slash By the way, you're listening on radio. That's spelled K-O-U-K-L. So kgov, K-G-O-V like government, kgov.com slash K-O-U-K-L. We've updated our website at kgov.com slash with a partial transcript, and we plan to discuss this Monday on air. Please reconsider that you have a tendency toward moral relativism and that this is a horrific expression of that. In Christ, Pastor Bob Enyart, Denver Bible Church. So we just heard Greg say, some same-sex couples are fabulous. That's not true. That's like saying some child pornographers are fabulous, other things being equal. Some pimps are fabulous, other things being equal. I mean, if you're going to set up a weighing the lesser of two evils, then you could have a child predator trafficker rescue a child from a volcano in Hawaii. And you could say, well, certainly this is much better than that. But that is only an exercise in moral relativism, and you'd probably be wrong anyway. But let's continue. Some same-sex couples are fabulous. Some same-sex couples are deplorable. And, uh, and actually, the same is true for heterosexual couples. Now, of course, same-sex couples have an additional element 
added to whatever circumstances that um, that they 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 have as as parents and 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 the domestic situation. Stop the a- tape! Stop the tape! By the way, when I said that Greg made this judgment with qualifications, what he's about to say is the only qualification in the ten minute discussion with this caller and i bet you there's a lot of listeners that are not quite sure of what greg's qualification was he's very gentle very subtle with his qualification but very strong and affirming about some same-sex couples are fabulous and are much better for children than other circumstances that they 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 have as as parents and 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 the domestic situation that is a concern to me, and that is their same sex relationships being characterized as um as 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 appropriate normal and in that circumstance you have two two fathers or two mothers you don't have a father and a mother. Okay, so I, I'm not embarrassed by saying that I think there is a moral concern with the kind of relationship that uh, is being portrayed in a same-sex family, just as much as I have a concern about heterosexual couples that are living on and off together who have children. Just by as that relationship, much as they're not married. Okay. Just as much as right. Just as much as so through the rest of it, that was it. As far as Greg's moral qualification, the rest of this, as we'll hear, is repeated false equivalencies between homosexuality and heterosexual singleness, cohabitation, and bad parenting, right? Constantly, well, all things being equal, I think it's better for heterosexual couples to raise children, all things being equal, but... All things are not always equal, so oftentimes it will be better. And we've had, what, 10,000 homosexual parents adopt children? It's got to be way beyond that by now. We'll hear Greg put much more emphasis on practical distinctions than he does on the far greater matter of the utter perversion and rebellion of homosexuality. Homosexuality and biblical Christianity are mutually exclusive. They cannot both exist in the public square. One or the other will be silenced, and we're seeing that. You have a million strong Christian dads working for firms around this country where if it became known that they were against homosexuality, they would be fired. They would lose their job, even though it would have nothing to do with their job. Homosexuality and biblical Christianity are mutually exclusive and our Christian leaders who have taught millions of Christians to not only tolerate homosexuality, but to legitimize it. That means to declare it legally valid. When you're saying that homosexual couples should be able to adopt children and they could be good parents, you are legitimizing homosexuality. You are declaring it legally valid. So we'll hear Greg put much more emphasis on practical distinctions than he does on the underlying morality, which is only obscured. 
heterosexual couples that are living on and off together who have children by that relationship but are not married. Okay, uh, this communicates something on a moral basis that I think is a problem for the children. But there are other things that may be really good um, or other things that may be bad. So this is a there are a, a, a number of factors that are involved here. So uh, all things being equal, let me just put it this way, all things being equal. And of course, those that's never the case. But what I'm trying to do is isolate out the issue of same-sex versus heterosex couples for child-rearing. All things being equal, I think it is better for heterosexual couples to raise children rather than same-sex couples. Why would I say that? You can look at it two ways. You can look at it from a naturalistic way or a theistic way. Naturalistically, that's because nature determined that that way. That's the natural pattern, and it's probably the natural pattern for a good reason, all right, because it's better that way. Um, if you want to look at it theologically, which is the way I look at it, which I think is the underlying reality, is God made it that way. God made men, to a man to be with a woman to have children so that the child, the children, the brood has a father and a mother because a father brings something different to the relationship than a mother does period. This is as obvious as the day is long. I've just been thinking about it the last couple of days, for example, here at home. Stop the tape. Stop the tape. So this is what, and I'm not saying it's intentional, but it's what a magician does. It's a distraction unless you are a moral relativist. If you are a moral relativist, you could take something that is absolutely wicked, absolutely perverse, and find a way to show how, well, it's really not quite as bad as something else, and it really isn't quite as good as something else, but it's on a spectrum of good parental care. It reminds me of the famous evolutionist primate researcher Sarah Hardy in Discover Magazine, The Evolution of Infanticide, when she said, infanticide is at one extreme in a spectrum of parental care. There is a lot of opportunity to obfuscate what is more evil, what is better, where is homosexuality in the midst of that spectrum. That is not how God taught us in his word to process and to make decisions and judgments. This is Bob Enyart. May God bless you. Hey, Spotify, thanks for listening. Make sure to visit our website, kgov kgov.com. Also, please make sure to subscribe to the program. If you've enjoyed this episode, go ahead and tell a friend about us or share the link. We'd really appreciate it. This is Bob Enyart for kgov.com. May God bless you.